Hello and welcome to our podcast. Thanks for joining us. My name is Eleanor. I'm Stina. And I'm Tyndall. And today we are going to talk about how nature is the avenue for Satan to corrupt God's creations and the greater conversation of the relationship between Satan and nature. So we're going to start this discussion with the Bible and Milton, because where else could we begin? Paradise Lost launches into unprecedented examinations of the physical setting of the original sin, which is hardly noted in the first few pages of Genesis due to simply the economy of pages in the Bible. For this section, we're going to explore the complications put forth in the Bible and in Milton's understanding of Earth and Satan. All right, so looking first at Genesis 2.8, it reads, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So basically here, God's creating Eden on the sixth day, after creating the heavens and the earth in the past days. And I thought it was interesting that we name Eden in this, like, earthly form. Yeah, it's also interesting that they're, like, setting it up as this beautiful, perfect space right off the bat. Like, that is what defines Eden, is this garden, this bounty. And it kind of reminds me, like, there's many definitions of the environment, but I think often we think of it as these untarnished, beautiful spaces. Yeah, that's what really stood out to me, this word pleasant to the sight and kind of how man and earth is created in God's image and it's what's important to him. Like it's, this is his creation and he puts everything that he wants and he thinks is beautiful into it, uh, which really stood out to me. And the fact that there's no adjective for the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it's like, oh, this is all pleasant and there's the tree. Yeah. wonder why it's there. We'll just yeah. stay tuned. <laughs> Um, and then later on in the Bible, in the book of Job uh, 1.7, there's another quote that reads, The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. And I thought it was worth noting that Satan himself defines himself by his traveling, like the physical earth, which I kind of took that to mean his own domain. Yeah, and how he's immediately connected with the earth and And then one thing just keeping in the back of my mind is just how earth is a result of satan's corruption like on the one hand god created the earth and all its inhabitants but on the other hand earth is the place that adam and eve are like condemned to go after they leave eden Um, and it's also a place where they're vulnerable to satan's temptation so does earth's existence require satan's that's a really good point. And actually, like, the only conception we have of Earth is this one that's supposedly corrupted. You know, we mm-hmm. we can't really imagine Eden, I think, fully because what we have has already been impacted by Satan. Definitely. And moving towards Paradise Lost, um, starting with a quote from Book 4, from Satan's point of view. All hope excluded thus, behold, instead of us outcast, exiled, his new delight mankind created, and for him this world. So farewell hope, and without hope, farewell fear, farewell remorse. All good to me is lost. Evil be thou my good, be thee, by thee at least, divided empire with heaven's king I hold. 
by thee, and more than half perhaps will reign, as man ere long in this new world shall know. And so as we talk about this in class, but Satan is literally like right outside of Eden looking in right now, and he's like lamenting what he interprets as God's total abandoning of him and focusing mm-hmm. and prioritizing like man and earth instead of Satan. Yeah, it seems, I mean, this quote especially makes it seem like a lot of his colonial attitude towards earth is very jealousy driven. Because mm-hmm. again, he's been rejected and rejected and this very like human desire to be part of something um, and this jealousy he has towards mankind and earth and to be part of that and see these emotions he's really driven by. Definitely. And I thought it was like with Milton's explanation for how earth becomes Satan's realm and also Milton's understanding of Eden as like physically on earth. And moving on to when Eve actually bites the apple in book nine, it reads, she plucked, she ate, earth felt the wound and nature from her seat sighing through all her works gave signs of woe that all was lost. So I thought it was, what stood out here, obviously, is nature's transformation from being the realm of God to that of Satan. And like the pain of, you know, Earth's woes being released here marks that change as the Earth is actually redefined. And then also wanting, I wanted to look at the first time Adam and Eve actually have sex, which is right after Adam has a bite of the apple, of the fruit, um... And it reads, her hand he seized into a shady bank, thick overhead with verdant roof embowered. He led her to nothing loath. Flowers were the couch. There they took largely of their sin. And the fact that nature is like providing this setting of them having sex post-fall is interesting because uh, compared to the first time Adam and Eve have sex, apparently you know Adam was very praising of God, both in word and of action. But then here you have this like lustful, um, you know, sinful manner, but it's still backlit against this beautiful natural setting that's like been claimed in sin. Yeah, I think that contrast that you bring up is really interesting between the physical and the heavenly, where nature becomes like intrinsically tied with the sinful act of being focused on heavenly things, as you mentioned in the first thing. I think that's a really interesting contrast. And then at the end, after the fall, the angels themselves leave Eden and then therefore no longer protecting man. And I thought it was interesting to note that when God comes to Adam and Eve and they hide, you know, because they're ashamed of their nakedness, the way that they think about how they're hiding, they're using the natural landscape to hide themselves. Um, and thus, like, I don't know, I kind of took it as um, using natural elements to satisfy Satan's agenda of distancing themselves from God. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the biblical setting, the relationship between God, Satan, and nature is obviously intricately linked. Uh, ultimately, the natural world creates these boundaries that define Satan's interactions with man until he decides the fate of his soul, and that started with Eden. The next topic we wanted to discuss is this concept of the woods, which has appeared and played a strong role in several of the readings we've already done for this class. The woods as a place of evil and the devil was an ominous theme in The Witch, and is also prominent in short stories we read like Young Goodman Brown, as well as The Devil and Tom Walker. So to dive into a discussion about this forbidden space, I think we can start by thinking about 
a variation of the question mentioned earlier. So beyond Eden, how is nature the avenue for Satan to corrupt God's creations? And kind of alongside that, why is there such an all-consuming fear of the devil in the woods in so many of the texts we've read? So starting off with Luke 4.1, there's this quote, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. So this quote really jumped out to me um, because of the implied lawlessness of the wilderness, that it's this very unholy and threatening place. And I think it's important to note that Jesus was very weak in this place, uh, like lack of nourishment, he was deprived, and so he was in a very vulnerable position. And I think that there's this implication that without people and without any sort of civilization and structure, we're more susceptible to not only the elements, but this source of evil. And this comes up especially in The Witch, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So in The Devil and Tom Walker, there's a lot of language that implies or explicitly states fear of the forest. They say this treacherous forest on page 438. And then there's also this quote, it was asserted that the savages held incantations here and made sacrifices to the evil spirit. And all of this wants you to understand that Tom Walker is afraid of the forest going into it. But surprisingly, he doesn't take the devil seriously when he initially meets him. He's questioning him, like, who are you and what right have you? So although they set him up to have this fear of the woods and what it may contain, he's not actually scared of the devil himself. Yeah, I wonder if that's in line with like this fear of you know the unknown that the forest obviously presents, and then seeing the devil, he sees a man who has a black face, and maybe that is related to why he's like, if anything, it's just a man. Like, I recognize this form, whereas like the woods has so much mystery and confusion going on. Yeah, what also really stood out to me from the story was um, the devil literally being imprinted in this landscape with this carving into the trees. And he also talks about prior claim and how the, the woods belonged to him long before uh, any of the white people who came to America. And it really reminded me of the, the Job passage and this idea of Satan being like intrinsically tied with the earth and just from the beginning of time, him wandering the earth and really living in this landscape. And going off that point Eleanor made earlier about fear of the unknown in the woods, in Young Goodman Brown, this theme is also very present. There's this quote that there may be a devilish Indian behind every tree. What if the devil himself should be at my very elbow? That really highlights the same fear. And not only in this story, but all of these texts we're really looking at that are referencing the woods in some way, there is a strong fear of the unknown. And I think it's important to note that it's not so much really what is actually in the woods or in the wilderness, but what could be and like what our imagination leads to be this fear of the unknown. Absolutely. And avoidance is kind of the best strategy there. And then to quote Young Jim Brown again, too far, too far, my father never went into the woods on such an errand, nor his father before him. We have been a race of honest men and good Christians since the days of the martyrs. So here he equates Christian piety with not only the avoidance of the woods, but fear of the woods that is like inherent in the definition of being a good Christian. So what we're seeing a lot of in these short stories is that Christianity is not just dependent on worship of God and rejection of Satan, but fear and rejection of these spaces that Satan is perceived to inhabit. It's interesting because I feel like throughout this entire discussion that we're having, though nature and woods are kind of like this backdrop to Satan's entire persona, but never explicitly named. 
and that lack of name continues in the movie The Witch. And so the woods obviously feature very prominently in The Witch. One thing that's interesting when we were doing like preparation for this podcast is looking in the script. The word woods or woods appears 74 times in the script, but witch appears only 45. And so I think that really emphasizes that the woods really set the stage for all of this evil and fear and mystery to occur more than actual witchcraft or the presence of a physical witch does. And then, like the two short stories, the woods are described with words such as primeval, profound, disturbing, and ominous, which imply this like reverence for the forest um, and kind of healthy fear in some ways. And in one of the early scenes in the movie, there's um, a conversation between Caleb, one of the sons, and William, the father. And Caleb says, you and mother have always forbade us to set foot there. Um, and William replies that this is our home now. Fear it not. We must conquer this wood. It will not consume us. Um, and this is really interesting because in some ways it's in opposition to Satan's conquering of earth. Um, very least resistance of that like domain. Yeah, and the language here, the conquering, is you know a strong language, and the fact that using your faith almost as a weapon to combat, act actively combat Satan, and try to push him back and reclaim lost territory, is a very like timely understanding of religion mm-hmm. for this Puritan colony. Yeah, and I'm also interested in their identity, you know, as white European colonizers and their relationship to the wilderness and this desire to conquer and put something on a map. We could look at that conversation with Satan's own like position in Paradise Lost as a conqueror um, and what that means to want to conquer the wilderness and this fear of the unknown and kind of label what your fears are. But the thing is, it's not even just the family and the humans that are really bothered by the woods. Even the animals are super agitated when they're in the forest, um, like the dog and the horse. And so these animals who are accustomed to these natural settings and, you know, should be accustomed to the woods and somewhat comfortable there are sensing something out of the norm, something supernatural, possibly evil, and being very agitated by that. Yeah, definitely. And what I think is really interesting is that the devil himself isn't actually in the woods at all. (laughs) When he takes the form of Black Phillip, he is in the sheep pen right next to the house. Yet the family focus, they fixate on the woods as a source of terror, even though there must have been some familiarity with the lore of the devil taking the form of the goat. But it seems like the kidnapping of the son in the beginning like just solidifies the woods as like dominant in the family's mind. Right, and in contrast to the devil actually not being in the woods, of course the witch herself is residing in the woods. And there is a strong connection between the practice of witchcraft and the practice of worshiping Satan which we will talk about more next. But in this case, the source of the evil that traumatizes family is not isolated in the forest, as Eleanor, you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And so I think overall fear of the woods can be extrapolated to like this general fear of the wilderness. Not only is there a threat of satanic activity in these spaces, but unpopulated spaces where even pious Christians are most vulnerable to Satan. So many stories, Satan's able to like continue this corruption and rampage on earth by infiltrating wild spaces. So- Extending on our conversation of the witch, we finally want to examine the intersections of Satan, witchcraft, and the environment. And so witchcraft's connection to the devil and satanic ritual has persisted for hundreds of years. 
So let's further unravel the ways our texts understand nature in relation to Satan and witches. So the history of witchcraft is a long and complicated history, but I wanted to just give a little bit of brief introduction so that we can kind of better understand where these intersections of Satan and witchcraft show up first. So essentially Charlemagne passed this law in the 8th century that prohibited uh, conquered Saxons from worshiping their own gods and thus kind of framing paganism and really any others who strayed from Christianity and a Christian god as devil worship. And then proceeding into the 11th and 13th centuries, you know, as European intellectual spheres are expanding and this interest in alchemy and astrology and magic, things we associate now with witchcraft, become more popular, these kind of questions arise of what is this higher power, you know, like supplying this knowledge? Like could God supply this uh, knowledge of high magic? And people started turning these ideas that no, like Satan kind of has to be the impetus behind these magical spheres. And thus witchcraft becomes more aligned with like the sacrilegious and satanic. So what I'm really interested in is if we see Satan as providing this excessive knowledge about the environment to witches and thus controlling and using the environment too much for your own benefit is seen as heresy, how can we kind of extend this idea to other texts we've read like Paradise Lost and how Satan manipulates the environment for his own benefit and to his own end? And I think it's definitely connected to this idea of fear of the unknown and you know labeling that as paganism or satanism or whatever but then also this idea that's like inherent in faith is that you don't know everything mm -hmm. and how that's mm -hmm. a good thing mm -hmm. and you're able to say oh like you know this is just it's god's plan it's this 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 whereas oh i'm scared and that's satan and evil it's an interesting uh, dichotomy to address so in continuing our conversation of the witch what i was really interested in was how both satan and the witches kind of use nature as this site of individualism and liberation and how both Satan is famously the rejected one and witches are also these societal rejects like Thomason and ultimately they are able to find solace in nature. And that's interesting because the entire family is, you know, they're all societal rejects at first. They're cast out from the settlement and they're not welcomed by nature. The environment's super harsh and unforgiving and we see them struggling to put food on the table through this famine. But then again, when Thomason voluntarily, you know, goes into the woods and aligns herself with nature and the devil, that's when she's able to find liberation. Yeah, and this liberation is directly connected to nudity with witches um, within nature, which is, exists in direct contrast with the Bible and Paradise Lost with this post-fall shame that is directly associated with nudity and wanting to cover oneself. And that liberation in the witch is just freeing yourself from the binds of clothes and being closer uh, to nature in that setting. So connected back to uh, the point earlier about animals even being afraid of the woods. I was thinking about animal reactions and the witch uh, in connection to the great chain of being, which is this medieval idea that the universe was divided into a hierarchy. You know, we've got at the top all the way through humans and down to the physical earth with plants and minerals. And often in literature, when there's some 
perversion of nature. It indicates that something is wrong or some presence of evil. And some of these elements I saw present in the film were with the, you know, the crops failing and nanny goat's milk turning to blood. Um, and it directly ties Satan to nature with these moments of evil present in things that are wrong. And the mother Catherine even says, you know, this is unnatural providence relating back to this kind of perversion of a hierarchy within nature and Satan's role in that. And there's also the idea of like this gender binary because witches are all, or at least traditionally women, and Satan is normally thought of as male. And a lot of times there's like this women's connection with nature that's thought of, and this is exemplified in terms like Mother Earth, and then more subtle terms like virgin territory. But on the flip side of that, there's this masculine association with dominion over nature and the earth, um, which Satan definitely embodies. So ultimately, Satan and witches appear to be deeply connected through their perversion of and domination over nature. And their command of nature places them in direct opposition to God, you know, further positing nature as Satan's instrument to threaten God's reign. So in this conversation, we have considered the relationship between Satan and the natural environment in three different contexts. Paradise Lost and various biblical texts set up Eden as not just any utopia, but one defined by its untarnished nature, which Satan sets out to violently disrupt. He continues his assault on earth and humanity through his presence in natural spaces, where fear and lore only add to his threat. And finally, witchcraft has historically been a very negative thing and has had strong associations with Satan, but more recently there has been a more defined divide between Satanism and witchcraft, or Wicca, the latter of which is strongly tied to nature. Ultimately, I think that Earth exists within Satan's realm because man's time there is, in my basic understanding, his application to heaven, more or less. Thus, as the ultimate trial, Earth gives way to heaven in a reversal of paradise's demise and rejection of Satan's perversion.